This is Joseph Chateau-Rapaye, pastor of Advent Lutheran Church in Wyckoff, New Jersey. This is our summer series on Anxious to Talk About It, helping white Christians talk faithfully about racism. This week we're wrapping up chapter 2 of Helsel's book, which is called Feeling White. And as you go through this part of the chapter, there are two major ideas, major themes that she's weaving through. One of them is broad, and one of them is personal. The broad one is about political correctness. And when you think of political correctness, let's just stop for a second and think about what comes to mind. We might think of a time when we used a word or some kind of language, and it was pointed out to us that that wasn't the right word or the right way to do something anymore. Merriam-Webster defines political correctness as a belief that language and practices which could offend political sensibilities, as in matters of sex or race, should be eliminated. Halsell notes that many people experience political correctness as having their beliefs evaluated constantly. Because language changes, it takes effort to try to stay up to date. And because language is always evolving, it can feel like you're always behind the correct terminology. An example of this, think about the language we use to describe gender and sexual minorities. Is it LGBT, LGBTQ, LGBTQIA, LGBTQIA+. Which one of those is the most correct? And some people don't really mind this. Language changes. Sometimes you say the wrong thing. It's part of life. You move on. You live and learn. But some people find that sense of being evaluated for their language incredibly grating. As Helsell mentions, President Trump makes a point, you could even say sometimes goes out of his way to be politically incorrect. It's one of the things his supporters like about him. And he does it because it's a way of resisting that sense of being judged by other people. Not adapting to political correctness is framed not as ignorance or indifference, but as a kind of courage. After all, his supporters would say, he tells it like it is. And one of the criticisms people make of political correctness is that it's a thing people use to communicate something about themselves instead of the world around them. When people use the phrase virtue signaling, that's essentially the argument they're making. That political correctness is just a way of showing off. Just note here that using the phrase virtue signaling is also a form of virtue signaling, just for people with different virtues. Halsell has a different criticism of political correctness that she gets into in the book a little bit. And her criticism is basically that political correctness isn't a problem because it goes too far. The problem is that it doesn't go far enough. We often think of political correctness as designed not to offend people, but Halsell suggests that actually not offending people is too low of a goal. For people of faith, the audience that this book is written to, the goal is to love people. Not offending isn't good enough. The point is to love one another as Christ loves us. And so Jesus understands what it means to be in relationship with one another. It's not just avoiding conflict, but actually seeking one another's flourishing. And when you frame this around love instead of just not offending, you can see that language actually has the power to open up some things in new ways. What may seem like arbitrary rules about language 
are actually giving people the ability to define for themselves how they want to be referred to and understood. You can probably imagine the time when someone referred to you using a name or a reference that you didn't care for. To take a kind of silly example of this, when people ask if they should call me Joseph or Joe, I usually say either is fine. And either is fine. What I hate is when people insist on calling me Joey, even when I've explained that's not how I want to be referred to. If someone called you a variant of a name that you didn't like, you'd probably feel a little bit annoyed. But imagine how you'd feel if someone used a racial, an ethnic, a gendered word to refer to you that you didn't like. You wouldn't just be annoyed, you'd probably feel pretty powerless. Like this person doesn't respect my autonomy to be addressed the way I want to be addressed. So if all political correctness is, is trying not to offend, it's not good enough. What we're trying to do in our language, in our conversations, and in our relationships is actually help people be heard and addressed the way they want to be heard and addressed. In other words, we're trying to help people feel recognized. And this is tied up in the second broader theme that Helsel gets into, which is about her own story. As a woman who grew up in a conservative evangelical home, Much of her story, of her call, her sense of being drawn to ministry, was about overcoming barriers of gender that women face in ministry. And what's interesting about this is how she tended to universalize her own experience of gender discrimination. She recognized at a very early age that there was a problem of discrimination that women faced in the church. But it wasn't until much later that she understood that race was also a problem that people faced in the church. And moreover, that women of color often had different experiences because they faced discrimination on the basis of both sex and race. And the word that often gets used for this kind of thing is intersectionality. And intersectionality is one of those new buzzwords people criticize as being too politically correct but it's actually been around for over 30 years, so it's not some new hashtag on Twitter or something. And without getting super into the weeds on it, intersectionality just means recognizing that the interconnected social systems of race, class, ability, sexuality, you can go on here, that they compound discrimination and privilege on top of each other. So in Helsel's own experience, this means recognizing that She was a woman, but she was not just a woman. She was a white, able-bodied, middle-class woman. And her experiences would be different than, say, an Asian woman with a disability or a Native American woman who grew up in poverty. And you can think about your own story in this context, too. What are the various identities you inhabit that you identify with? that have overlapped or compounded in ways that have made your life easier or harder. And this actually draws the two themes together, political correctness and intersectionality. What Helsel's talking about here is a way of recognizing other people's experiences as different from our own. When we do something simple like asking someone how they want to be addressed, we're not giving in to the PC police. We're trying to understand how to honor their identity in ways that allow us to love them. And not just love a part of them, not just love the way we understand them, 
but an ability to love them as they present and understand themselves. So two questions to wrap up today. One, Halsell offers at the very end of this chapter, is whether anyone has asked you how you want to be addressed at some point. Maybe it was a name, maybe it was a title. How did it make you feel when they did that? And second, much of this chapter is about Halsell's own story of developing a consciousness of race. So what are some of your own experiences of feeling white? When have you understood that whiteness is a racial identity? And when has it just felt like normal to you? That's it for chapter two. Next week, we're going to be moving on to chapter three.